Magic, both beautiful and powerful, binds together our long history. That common bond we share is the legacy of Hogwarts. It's time to add your own story to these hallowed walls and quite possibly shape the future of the wizarding world. Welcome back to Entertainment Talk. Today I'm here to finally do my review for Hogwarts Legacy. I'm your host Matthew and we're going to start off spoiler free. We've got a lot of spoiler free things to talk about anyway. Then we're going to take a break and then we're going to get into spoilers but not for probably quite a while. So, um, yes, finished Hogwarts Legacy earlier this week. Sorry, late last week. Um, and there's a lot. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot in this game. So, where do I want to start? Well, I've got my. I've got some notes. That this is the type of podcast you need notes for. Otherwise, um, we could end up being very scattered. Let's get my overall thoughts. Let's go to our rating system. Let's start off there, and. Uh, give my uh, score for this the overall rating system that we've got and then we can kick things off from there so we've got strong must play must play don't skip possible skip skip and a hard skip i have come to the judgment if you will uh the decision to give this an eight out of ten and a don't skip rating so how have i come to that conclusion i think this is a very, very good video game, and this is one that I recommend, but it isn't without its issues. Of course, every game's not without its issues. Every, every single game that's ever been made has got issues, even the, the best of the best. I think, so I think it'll be easier here for me to go through my negative, well, not really negative, constructive um criticism for this game first i think that would be an easier way for me to lead into how things do work quite well in this game as well i think there's a little bit of a balancing issue in this game how that has essentially happened is there's a lot of things in this game and when i say a lot you can use all capitals with that word there's a lawful lot in this game there's a heck of a lot in this game if you want to platinum this game or get 100%, you're going to be playing this game for a very, very, very long time. Which, if that's what you want to do, you're going to have a really good time. I think having so many different just things in this game... So if I were to list a few of what they are. Story, characters, exploration, mini games, room of requirement... Exploration, I think I said that twice, flying around, open world activities, upgrades, and anything else in between. Animal capturing is is another one. Well, saving the, the animals. I think because there's so many things in this game, there's a few things in the game that don't quite get... Not the room to breathe. I think everything in this game gets mostly gets room to breathe. 
But because the efforts have been spread so much in this game, some things needed a bit more time dedicated towards them. I think the two the two things that suffer most from this game that I would have actually liked to have seen a bit more of, and this is a not a time balancing issue, more of a kind of um time spent on things issue but because of how long you spend with certain things the two things i'm pointing out here is the story and the characters what's interesting to connect to that as well is remember when this game was coming out and obviously you got your diehard harry potter fans people that have read the books people that have watched all the films and really you know know the world inside and out know what everything is what everything's called what everything does and there are people who are more in my ballpark who enjoyed the films. They were good, great characters, great story, all that kind of stuff. Very popular IP, really interesting world to explore. Didn't read the books, never watched like Fantastic Beasts, only watched the, was it seven films? They were great films, very much enjoyed them. Don't know what they would be like if I went and watched them now, but that might be an interesting thing to do. And some of the, not concern, but some of the things that people were saying that were in a similar ballpark to me was that okay big open world game going to be spending a lot of time in this game they like the world but they're not quite into all the, all of the lore in this world right if you're in that ballpark how much will you enjoy this game how much will this game require you to be attached to the lore and know it in order to enjoy it i actually think this game should have lent more into it, more into the lore of what's going on in this world, and more kind of into the... done a bit more with its story and characters, and used the world even more than what it does. And I actually think the game would have benefited a bit more from that. Now, I didn't really think or notice that until the end of the game. Because there's a certain... and I'm going to talk about this more in the spoiler section... There's a certain thing that happens, and I'm not even really trying to be vague without spoiling things. I'm just I'm just explaining a structural thing, not really a story thing. There's a structural thing that happens towards the end of the story of this game. And the only spoiler-free way I can describe it is, why didn't you do that more? And essentially, all, all that essentially boils down to, again, it's not sort of plot or character-specific is just using the story and the characters more. The balancing issue you've got there, and again, it's not a specific issue, it's more just, you did really well the things you put in this game, but you didn't quite balance them in the right way. Because the thing that kind of takes, the thing that takes away a little bit from the story and the characters is the exploration, but the exploration itself is so, so good so it's not like you introduced a bad thing that takes time and energy away from a good thing. It's that you've got three really good things, which is story, character, and exploration. And the one thing almost gets in the way of the other two. Because of how you spend your time in this game. Now it's up to you as an individual player how much exploration do you want to actually do. But... To swing that back round a bit the other way, the game does really, really encourage you to explore a lot. And significantly reward you for doing so. But while you're doing that, 
you're not interacting with the story and the characters, which I felt could have had a bit more put into it. Because the story, if you just want to beeline the uh, story, it, it, it's got it's got a decent length to it, but it's not. That's not the thing that's going to keep you playing this game for twenty hours. I would say the story here, you could probably do, if we're talking just main quests, because there's things like classes as well, which are quite quick anyway. I would say you could probably do that in fifteen hours, maybe, maybe. Um, but the game, even if you try to just, oh, I'm just going to keep doing story, 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 the game keeps introducing new things that kind of pull you away from it, but then the things that it's pulling you away from it with are very good. So it's like an odd, it's an annoying issue that the game has got, because it's offering you a lot of good things, but the thing I felt we should have leaned into more, which is the story and the characters, it doesn't do it until the end, really. At least from what I think. And I think that was a bit of a mistake. It's an odd problem that... Because how could you fix this kind of issue I'm talking about? Because the thing with the open world... Is... Because when you open your map and you start scanning through it... You're going to think, oh my god, there's so much stuff here. Which there is. There's a lot of stuff in this game. Some of the things in this game are very, very quick to do. Two examples is the dungeons, the, the shorter dungeons, and the Merlin Trolls. The Merlin Troll, uh, you can do a Merlin Troll in 20 seconds. So if you're in an area that's got five of them, you could probably clean all that up in about five minutes, maybe. It depends on if you get into any enemy encounters and, and that type of stuff. Um, but yeah, so from our rating system, yeah, don't skip, but an 8 out of 10. Very, very good game that just has some... Annoying balancing issues, I would say. But I didn't think about those issues as much, or really at all, until what happens at the end of the game. Which is just simply, okay... But basically what happens there is, and again, no spoilers, is because, okay, we're in the end game, we're at the end of the story, we kind of have to involve the characters in the story a bit more, and it shows them a bit more. Because it's the end of the story and the characters have to be there a bit more. So, and then once that happened, I was like, oh, you should have probably done this a bit more. But the game didn't. Um, I think something that could have benefited it, actually, is because you've got, um, like, relationship. uh, Not like falling in love or something. You've got, like, friendship, relationship, missions that you go on. And there is quite a few side quests where you do interact with the characters, but they are the side characters. Because you've got Sebastian, you've got Nai, I think is her name. Um, Sorry, Natsi, I think her name is. Uh, And you've got Poppy, who are your three sort of main friend side characters. They really should have done more of the professors in this game. Um... And it has got that kind of, whether you want to call it bully or Canis Canem edit, you know, that, that uh, PS3, Xbox 360 game, the Rockstar one. It has got a bit of that go to class, learn something, press a few buttons to do a class, and your professor will talk to you. I don't think there's enough of it. But the kind of, again, not really issue, but issue that gets in the way of that is... 
you do that to learn the spells that you've got and once you've done that you don't need the classes anymore because you've got nothing else to learn in the game but I don't know there should have been some other way to involve the professors a bit more but I don't know I don't know so that's kind of my overall thoughts um I don't really want to talk too much about okay what do I think of the ending boss because I've got separate thoughts on that um and I have other specific notes to get into anyway so let's let's crack on with those combat is my first one I think the combat in this game is very very good very very rewarding and at times really really satisfying a lot of it is dependent and I think there's kind of a push and pull thing going on here not literally although you can obviously push and pull enemies at certain points the game has got okay so it's got different sets of spells you've got um purple ones red ones is it blue is it blue uh yellow sorry and the green ones which are obviously your uh unforgivable spells you've got like your sort of constructive ones which is things like lumus and Repero and uh like the conjuring spells those are all for just do interacting with things those aren't um combat spells I felt as if the game wanted me to play it a certain way, but I wanted to play it my own way. And you can play it your own way. But what ended up happening is... So, um, R2, if you press R2, obviously I played on PS5. You press R2, that does your just normal blast spell, which is your general to sort of hit the enemy. You press on old R2, you then get like... Um, quick access spells that come up and you can assign these in any way that you want to press uh square x circle triangle to activate a like a specific spell once you start getting um what's called different uh, talent points which i really like the talent points thing i'll talk about that in a minute you can end up having you can end up switching between the four of them Here's where a little bit of an issue comes in for me. I, I liked the idea, but the execution wasn't as good as it could have been. So the idea then becomes, you've got your right stick, which is a camera controls. You can press R3 to lock onto an enemy. Left stick is obviously move your character. You can turn your camera with the right stick. Um, if you press and hold LT, you can aim. Although I I think that's that's not that doesn't really benefit you in combat uh, specifically. Because this isn't Uncharted or Last of Us. Um... So you press an old R2, you then get the four action buttons, which gives you a different set of spells. If you want to switch to a different spell set, you can do that, and you have four different ones. You then press up, down, left, or right on the D-pad to change to those. It's a very good idea. It's a very, very good idea. I found a bit of an issue in the combat. I mean, this could have possibly been just a me problem. I never quite worked out if it was a me or a game problem. If I have, let's say, four red spells, which is like Expelliarmus, um, Confringo, Ignisio, or Bombardo, right? So you, usually they'll be your blast spells. Because you've got a situation where certain enemies can be picked up, like you can pull them towards you, certain enemies can't, certain enemies are more vulnerable to other spells. Like spiders are really vulnerable to fire. The game then has it so that certain enemies put shields around themselves. Those shields are a certain colour. And if you do a spell, it doesn't matter which one, you do a spell with that particular colour, so a yellow shield, you do a yellow spell, purple shield, purple spell, etc, etc. 
I felt like what the game wanted me to do was to put all of my purple on one set, all of my red on one set, and all of my, um, what's the other colour again? Yeah, yellow, red, and, and purple on each set, and then have the fourth one as something else. So that if I think, oh, yellow, oh, purple, oh, red, I then switch to them, but I didn't want to do that. What I tried to do was have two red, because I red's like your most powerful sort of spells, then one purple thing on one, one yellow thing on another. Then on a second spell set, have two different, have the other two different red spells and have another different purple and another different yellow spell. Because you've got certain things as well where like um, the freeze spell will be quite effective on certain enemies but not effective on other enemies. Because then what you basically want to do is where you're attacking with red, red, you know, d doing that. Oh, an enemy's got a purple spell. Okay, you've got a purple spell on your thing. Or another enemy's got a yellow one. So you do the purple, then you do the yellow, and then you go back to doing reds. Or if one enemy's got a red shield, you'll just continue doing that anyway. That's how I was trying to play the game. But I felt like the game almost wanted me to set it up so that it had the three different spell sets. And that didn't quite work for me. Another issue I had with the combat... I will talk about some good stuff with the combat in a minute, but the other issue I had with the combat is um, actually aiming. So the two di we, there's technically three different ways that you can aim, but I, I didn't see anybody using the hold aim and then cast a spell. That that I, that's the least ideal way to play the game. The two actual viable options is you either do lock on spells, so not lock on spells. You either do a lock on mode where you flick the right stick to switch between the enemies I found that personally a bit too awkward uh, especially the way that like certain enemies jump around a bit more some of them don't and of course you've got your dodge uh, with with circle or you can press and hold that to do like a blast um, dodge thing or the other way you can do it which is what I tried to do which is so you have let's say four enemies in front of you you'll Point your camera in the general direction of an enemy and they'll have like a see-through silhouette covering them that will let you know you're targeting that enemy. It works for the most part, but I found myself too many times, uh, let's say I was in a, spite with fi a fight with spiders for example. And there's smaller spiders which you can fling towards you and push and you know do... A bit more with because they're lighter enemies and you can sort of push them and pull them around a bit more allowing you to do more things then there will be bigger spiders that you can't push or pull but you can actually push their heads into the ground if you can do that i would find at certain times i would think okay big one fire spell on you then i'm going to blast you a couple of times so that the fire affects you a bit more then there's a smaller spider over there so i'm going to turn around slightly aim the camera towards you and do a pull spell on you to pull you towards me. Shoot another fire spell at you so that you fling into the distance. And I can like sort of juggle. You can juggle enemies a little bit in this game. And do a few blast spells on that. And then that enemy will get affected. And then I'll switch back to like the big spider maybe. I found too many times in the combat. That. Let's say there's two big spiders and like three little ones for an example. I do fire spell on the big one. Okay that's damaged that hit him a few hit that one a few more times then do a pull spell on the smaller ones then maybe a push spell on the other small one but i'd accidentally end up aiming 
at the big spider. And if you do a pull spell on the big spider, it doesn't really do a whole lot. But then you've cast the spell, and you've got to wait for it to... Um, it's, the spells have got cooldowns on them, but you can also take potions that reduce that. I've then wasted that spell. I also found that so that was kind of made, and it did, that didn't happen all the time, but it did happen a few too many times. And I could never quite work out, is this the way that I'm fighting, or is it just a little bit of a flawed system? I did try doing the lock-on for a few fights, it just never quite, I don't think the game works with that. So I, I basically had trouble aiming in this game. In terms of the spells themselves, when you start combining them a few times, and you do like a pull spell, and then a fire spell, or you fling an enemy, or you uh, put an enemy into the air, and then push them back down into the ground, and uh, shoot fire at them or something, it's really, really satisfying. Really, really, really satisfying to do. And then you start combining a few things, and it, it can work out very, very well. Also, the ancient magic is very, very useful, which is L1 and R1, and you'll do a special, like, not finishing move, but a special move on them. That was great. So that was good. Um, that's that's kind of combat, I suppose, in a nutshell. Um, I like the options. The options are very, very good. It's just the aiming didn't quite work, and I could never quite get the right combination of spells sometimes it was uh it, it didn't quite sort of fully work so if you can keep the same idea which I, I like the idea of the shortcuts to the spells what i would have preferred um because what what buttons i mean so if i'm in combat i'm not really using l2 i would have preferred some kind of um so instead of pressing and holding R2, then taking my thumb off the left stick to press a, one of the directional buttons to change a spell set, I would have preferred to press a button to cycle through them. I think that would have worked better. The way you could have done that, and I know you can't take aiming off of L2, you can't change any of the buttons in the game. Uh, I don't know about PC key bindings, but you can't do it on console. Is, okay... Because aim, actually aiming in the game, I used very, very rarely anyway. The way you could possibly have done it is, let's say, if I press and held L2, that's to hold an aim. But if I press L2 once, that's to switch between the spells. I just would have preferred to have a button to switch between the spells, rather than hold R2, then press one of the directional pads, while making sure I don't get hit, because I need my thumb on the left stick to move out the way of stuff. Um... So I would, I would just preferred something a bit different there. And I think it could have worked a lot better than what it did. Again, it's not a terrible system. It's just got a few flaws in it, I think. Uh, but the combat's very... When the combat works, when it actually works really well, it's really, really good. It's just a few fiddly situations where there's like a few too many enemies. You aim at the wrong one. You do a light spell on a heavy enemy and it sort of wastes it and don't work. I also kind of realised... And I did make this change to the way I played the game. So you've got a roll button in this game. And you can also... How you avoid attacks is... A... Almost like Spidey Sense signal will come up above your character's head. If it's red, you dodge out of the way. If it's yellow, you press an old triangle. Which you can do... Uh, uh, is it Stupendo it's called? You put a bubble around your character to, to deflect the thing... And then you can shoot a counter-attack back. Which works quite well when, when I remember to press the button. Um, so that worked relatively well. 
the mistake I made, and I corrected this later on, the game doesn't really work as well. If you're going to take an approach of running around, rolling around, and trying to do that while avoiding attacks, I found that that didn't actually work. If you think about the way that wizards fight, it's not a run and gun shooting thing. Um, like this, this isn't you know Call of Duty or something. You will benefit more if you actually duel off with somebody. So actually standing still more, and because you're going to want your thumb to be less busy running around with the left stick. Because I found personally, if I was just sprinting around the map and rolling and rolling and rolling. It's better if you actually stand still more, which I know, okay, you're in a combat situation, standing still isn't always the best idea, but it, it kind of is here. And waiting for the attacks to happen, and making sure that you stand still. Because one of the issues I kind of ran into was, if I was clicking in the left stick, and moving that around the map, when it came to actually dodging, I wasn't always like positioned well to actually make the, the roll and the dodge because I was kind of already using the left stick because you're from, from a running position which I know might not quite sound right but that's sort of weirdly how it works and uh, so if you stand still which is weird to be standing in the middle of the thing wait for the prompts to come up if it's red quick left stick movement circle that should be it. Some enemies do have a bigger radius of attack, which is where you're... Because you can do this sort of like burst out of the way, circle dodge. That's where that... So like with the, with the troll, if a troll's going to be smacking you with a big boulder thing or whatever, um, the radius is bigger, so you're going to want to dodge more out of the way because there's bigger splash damage there. What it will also prepare you more for is timing on um, the counter button. So once I once I kind of because I, I I was sort of getting too too stuck with getting hit multiple times in in combat. I was like, why is this happening? And I felt like I I kind of worked out I, I was too focused on just running more around the map and rolling around than actually dueling. Because I'm pretty sure if you go back and watch the films, how many those how many times in a fight is like Harry Potter running around, sprinting around a map? Not really. It's almost like a western sort of thing where. You've got standoffs, right? And you, you, you're standing more and you're doing more dueling. It's kind of the idea here. So, um, worked out quite well. That's combat mostly covered. Um, haptic feedback. Here's a big compliment for the game. So, obviously, when it comes to haptic feedback with the DualSense controller on the PS5, where I expect haptic feedback to be implemented the most is with first-party games. Because when you've got, like, Horizon, Last of Us, God of War, which, okay, those games might end up on PC later, um, you the studio doesn't have to think, oh, how are we going to make this game work on Xbox or on Switch or on other platforms? It's just PlayStation. Which gives the developers more opportunity to focus more on the, the, on the controls of the PS5 and implement more haptic feedback, which is where you expect it more, which is with first-party games. And some some, some uh, second-party games as well. Of third-party games, which is, th this is what this is, I think this has got the best haptic feedback of any third-party game on PlayStation so far. Which should take that as a massive, massive compliment. 
because there's some games out there that do some really good third-party haptic feedback. Uh, Modern Warfare 2 is a really good one. There's lots of other games I'm not thinking of right now. Um, but there's been some pretty good haptic feedback with different games. The thing to for developers to keep in mind when they're doing haptic feedback for the DualSense is when you are performing an action in a game, you don't just want, oh, strong vibration, strong vibration, strong vibration. What is the player doing and what would it feel like to do that specific thing? I'll give you two examples. And flying is next in my notes. Flying through the air on a broomstick. Okay, if you're on a broomstick or you are on a vehicle, let's say, that is going through the air where you will feel the air. So obviously if you're in a car or a van or a vehicle where the doors are closed, you're not going to be feeling the wind gushing past you because you're in a vehicle unless obviously you've got the window open if you're on something like a bike for example and it's particularly windy or you're going particularly fast you're going to feel the wind gushing past you because that's how that works so when you're on a broomstick and obviously you can't fly a broomstick in real world unfortunately um and you're soaring through the air and you don't have like a helmet on or something because if you're dressed in some sort of like Iron Man type armor where you've got a helmet on, you're going to be feeling a gush of wind probably, but not in the same way as if you've got a helmet off, or on rather, because you won't feel it as much. You'll still feel some of it because you'll be soaring through the air still, but it won't be the same thing. This game does a really, really great job of... Um, putting that into the game and for those of you who've never maybe experienced haptic feedback it's a very strange thing to try and explain to somebody until you feel it yourself just like VR, VR's got the same problem right okay you can watch somebody play a VR game you can see them with the headset on you can see what the camera's looking at but you're not in the headset same thing with haptic feedback somebody can do a video of like oh look I'm holding a controller and I can feel it doing this but you can't feel it right the feeling of having wind gushing in the controller is, again, haptic feedback is a very odd thing. It's a really, really damn good thing, though. But what this game does so well, it, it isn't just, oh, you're flying. We're going to keep a consistent gush of wind through the controller. Oh, no, no. If you're soaring further down, where there's the wind is going to be hitting you upwards, or you're in a more windy area on the game, which there are certain more windy areas, or you're flying at a different speed, the haptic feedback will adjust itself to that. And it's really, really quite satisfying. It's really, really very satisfying. Uh, another example, <clears throat> and I didn't swim that much on this game, but I did towards the end, especially exploring certain caves as well. And, and again, this only happens if you're swimming faster, which is where you click on the left stick. And there's another particular detail here as well, which is very, very interesting for haptic feedback. Okay, so you're swimming, and you can feel the water in the controller. Oh no, it's more detailed than that. I noticed with my character, if it was left arm stroke, right arm stroke, it was left or right side of the controller. It's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive. And it feels like... How do I explain this? Again, explaining haptic feedback is a strange thing. Right. So left and right side of the controller, obviously you've got the left and right 
handles on the controller. It felt like there was almost, not, not arms in the controller, that's the wrong way to explain it. Like there was wind, not wind, sorry, water being pushed through on the left and the right side of the controller. But you could really feel this particular, like, sloshes of the water. It was, it, it made me want to just go and swim for an hour in Hogwarts Legacy because it was really, really good. Um, it's brilliant. It, it's It's really, really brilliant. There's so many other little touches as well. With ha- Those are the two that kind of stand out the most, which is swimming and broomstick flying. There's lots and lots and lots of other ones. Um, I noticed throughout the world, if you pick up um, the different eggs, the different like mushrooms, all the different little like bits you'll need for uh, potion brewing. And um, I can't remember what the eggs are called, but there's these little eggs you can pick up to like make stuff in the game. And... I noticed when you pick them up, you go over to them, press triangle, it will feel like there's eggs in your controller, kind of, um, not not hitting each other, what's the right word to use? Imagine you've got eggs in a bag, and you're, you know, moving them, and you get that little clangy sort of egg sound, as if eggs are sort of rolling around in a bag. You'll feel that as well. Um, I noticed it, again, not quite so much, but if you pick up, like, mushrooms, they'll do this thing they'll, where they're sort of magically hopping, they're a little hopping to the air. You could feel that in the controller. Um, spells did it, I didn't notice it as much with spells, but spells do do that as well. Sometimes during combat, because things are so hectic, you might not notice things quite so much with that. That did it as well. Uh, there's lots of other instances, situations where it did it, and it was really, really good. Uh, but those are a few of the ones that stand out. But the best haptic feedback for a third-party PlayStation game, I would absolutely say that. So, good stuff. Really, really good stuff. And although haptic feedback, okay, doesn't necessarily make the quality of a game better or worse, but it makes the experience more interesting. When I'm playing a game and I feel haptic feedback, and I can feel the action that I'm doing in a game replicated in the controller but not just oh you're flying so there's a vibration no it's particularly a gust of wind or a sloshing of water in the controller and i know obviously there's no wind in the controller there's no water in the controller obviously it would break if that was the case but it feels like there is and it's amazing what you can do and it's all just through vibrations that's all it actually is but it's vibrations that are a different frequency and it's just incredible it's absolutely incredible Flying is my next bit of notes. Flying's very good in this game. Does take a bit of time to get used to the controls for flying. Uh, so basically, what you've got is you'll hold L1, press circle, and you'll pick up your broomstick. Obviously, you can only do it in certain areas. You can't be going through Hogsmeade or going through. Um, I actually didn't write Hogsmeade, Hogsmeade down, but I guess I can mention it in, in a little bit as well. Um, you can't be in the castle and just get your broomstick out. You can, however, walk outside the grounds and be um, in, like, the garden sort of areas, and you can get your broomstick from there and fly off away from the castle. Um, but it's great. I enjoyed flying. My only... And this is my only one singular issue with flying. Everything else works great. If you wanted to... Turn your camera direction and fly up or down. 
I don't think you can do that in the same movement. So how it works is, so your left stick turns you, your player, left or right. So obviously if you're flying forward, you'll tilt it left or right, the stick left or right, and you'll turn left or right. And look stick, you push that up or down, your character will go up or down. <laughs> um, if you turn the right stick to the right or left, that will turn your camera around. So it is possible to be flying forward, use the left stick to turn your player around, but it won't turn your camera around. Uh, you click in the left stick to have like a middle boost, and then you press and hold L2 to get like a full boost where you're fully flying. Got used to the controls eventually. It took, it took like maybe a couple of hours, but I got used to it eventually. And then I got better and better at controlling it and landing it really well and that kind of stuff. Basically, you press an old circle to, to land. My only issue was not being able to turn the camera and go up or down at the same time. Because at certain times I was doing the broomstick trials, which are really, really good to do. And I would want to turn the camera and go down or up to fly into the next ring. And I tried to do it. At one point it seemed like it was doing it. But it didn't seem to do it. And you would end up having to do two separate movements. Which is, let's say you're turning right. And you want to go down. You've got to turn the camera right. And then press down. Uh, then go down on the, on the right stick. I got used to it eventually. It still never felt great to do that. With the, uh, with, with the flying on the broomstick. But... Everything else with it worked really well. Being able to stop and start where you're going and fly through different areas. I managed to really gain good control of the broomstick in the end. But that was the only fiddly little bit of controls with that. Flying the uh, bird thing was cool as well. I didn't do that very much. And then you get another animal later which I didn't use very much either. But the flying was, was very, very good. If you wanted to include Quidditch in the future, I suppose you could use the same controls. You'd have to implement some sort of throw and block or catch controls. Obviously, you've got a ball that's involved as well. So, I don't know. I don't know how you'd do that. Exploration and rewards is my next note. Um, this is one of the most satisfying games to explore in. My only issue, which I went in depth on earlier, is the balance between exploring for a bunch of hours and not having the characters or the story anywhere there was actually times because i at, at one point i decided to just go off and just explore for a good 10 hours and really rank up my character a lot and unlock a bunch of stuff that felt great to do the only issue there with the balancing is i ended up feeling almost eventually like there was no like i almost totally forgot about the story and the characters because i was off exploring whether that was me just being too engrossed in exploring the world I'm not quite sure, but um, yeah, it's it's very 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 rewarding to do. And and the thing that makes exploring a little bit more, a little bit more um, approachable, is yes, there's a lot of things on the map, and I still haven't cleared all the map. I've actually cleared about half of it, which is still quite a lot of it. Um, for those of you that have played the game, I've cleared the area up to the mines and I've just about gone past it but not quite done the rest of it yet because I wanted to just finish the game so I could do this review. Um, there's a lot of things to do in this game, a lot of things, but a few of them are very, very quick. And I don't want to spoil everything that's in the area. There's like things that get revealed later in the story that you can then unlock and do later. 
There's a lot of things to do in this world. A lot of things. But they are... Some of them are a little bit longer. But a lot of them are very, very quick things to do. That doesn't, however, make it quicker to do. Because the of the quantity that you've got there. So... But it, it still feels very, very rewarding to explore in this world. And to, like, quickly go through the Merlin trials. Or do, like, the caves or the, the other bits and pieces as well. Um... And to like you know learn spells and you know, do do that kind of stuff. That that that's great. There's just an awful lot of it to do, and it can be a little bit overwhelming at points. Particularly, here's a little um, tip, I suppose. When you open the map, it doesn't quite show you everything. If you zoom in, however, because you'll notice there's these little white dots on the map, and unfortunately, I didn't realise this until um, late, a lot later than what I should have. Because I didn't actually look at the map controls, so maybe I should have seen the zoom button there earlier. You press zoom in, and you'll see a lot more stuff on there. A lot, lot more stuff. Uh, I don't quite know why they chose to do it that way, but but they did. So, there was that. The exploration and rewards. Once you start getting rewards and talent points and unlocking stuff, it will feel fantastic to do. And it's very, very rewarding and really, really good to do. There's just a lot of it to do, is the small issue there. But once you get into the later game stuff and you start unlocking more, I'll say animal-based things, you'll really start to see just how enormous this is. And as well as the rewards and exploration, when you start unlocking things in this game and you actually start realising how mechanics start tying into other mechanics and you'll start to realise, oh, if I do more of this... I can have more of this, which means I can do more of this and unlock more of this. And there's, there is like a sort of cycle in this game. And again, it's very, very, very rewarding to do. There's just a heck of a lot of it. <laughs> so it can get a little bit overwhelming. But if you get even more into that than what I did, you've not only got a lot to do in this game, but you'll enjoy it a lot more than, than maybe what I did. And I enjoyed it a lot. It just got a bit overbearing. At a point, there was just a lot of things to do, which felt rewarding to do, just a lot of it. So that is exploration and rewards. Again, very, very, very good. Lots of deep stuff you can get into, especially with, you know, animals and other stuff later on. Just a lot of it. Just a lot of it indeed. Speaking of um, rewards, uh, where you'll be able to get a few of your different rewards for different things is the room for requirement. Um, Yeah. If you really want to get everything out of this game that you can, particularly in terms of potions and with, uh, what do you call it, with with plants, you're gonna want a lot. Of, you're going to want to spend a lot of time in the room of requirement. There are a lot of different things that you can unlock in there, um, and once you figure out again, it's that it's that cycle of being rewarded. Once you figure out what you've got to do to get something and how that helps you to get other things which is a lot of what the room of requirement basically enables you to do um you'll feel even more rewarded but i thought i'd write it down because it's like a separate thing to it um it's basically your base for things for like going back and restocking on potions or plants or uh, you can get different like you can get moonstone and all, all kinds of stuff there's loads of stuff that you can sort of conjure and uh, get from that you can also decorate it as well which is uh which is quite nice 
Uh, that's the room of requirement. Um, a simple place, but a place you'll spend a lot of time in. There's also, you can weave things into your clothes. That's where you obviously you'll go and spend time with your animals as well and get things from them, which will help you to get other things, which will benefit you later as well. So very, very good from the room of requirement. Um, so that's that one. That's where you get yeah all, all your potions, your plants, that sort of stuff. There's a whole system there. I don't really need to get into that because I don't really need to explain all of it. The game will do that for you. But uh, very, very good what they did with that. A bit of a, a comment I want to add on to that in terms of the function it services. Um, you don't need to go to your common room ever, I think. Uh, you'll have you'll have um, your character, whoever you choose to make, will go back to your common room at the end of like a big arc or something, big story arc. Because there will be certain missions you'll finish, and your character will literally say, "Hey, I'll see you in the morning" or something. Not loads and loads of times, but if you, there, there's like two or three different sections to this game, so your character will wake up there. There is, other than the start, when you get introduced to a common room and you get to speak to a few people, you could take it out of the game and it wouldn't make any difference. I don't know if it's different for different houses. I ended up in Gryffindor. Uh, I don't know if it's different for different houses. I don't think it is. But it's quite useless, actually. Um, and in terms of, like... Because some games, obviously, you can rest your character, so you reheal yourself and sort of save uh, forward time, and you can save. Common room doesn't. Nothing in the game needs you to do that. Um, yeah, it's completely useless. <laughs> I mean, you have your owl system in there, which you can go and view, but I think you can just access that from the menu anyway. So for me, when it came to kind of going to my base to restock. That's where the room of requirement comes in. Um, I don't know necessarily what you could have done with the common... Maybe you could have had... I mean, you could have had maybe a sleep function. I mean, you have the, the waiting function, which your character just goes to sleep on the floor for from day to night or night to day, uh, so that you can do certain stuff. But, um, yeah, there's nothing you need in your common room at all. Because um, when, when I would, like finish a big session with the game or something and go to sort of restock and have somewhere to put my character to, to save the game I never went back to the common room oh I'm, I might have done a couple of times at the start and then realized I didn't need to and then once I uh, unlocked a few few more things for room of requirement didn't need the common room anymore so uh it, it's not I mean it would be worse if it served functions that didn't work or something right but because you can't go and like sleep in the bed in the common room because you can't sit or sleep in the game. You can just do this waiting thing. So, yeah, again, not not a knock against the game necessarily, but people think of the common room when they think of, you know, Hogwarts and, you know, that sort of world is where the different uh, classes go to, you know, to socialize and stuff. But, nah, not needed at all. Uh, but room of requirement was uh, very, very good, very, very useful. You're going to want to spend a lot of time in there. Uh, if you want to really make um, full use of things in the game. Um, I guess I could mention Hogsmeade as well. That's where you go and buy a bunch of your stuff. Um, a lot more involvement there than what the common room has got. Of course, that's where you go to buy your broomstick upgrades. There's various different story missions that happen there. Lots of different shops. Um, 
that's where you go to buy upgrades to things or uh, your seeds for planting stuff all the the many 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 different tables that you're going to have for your room of requirement um yeah hogsmeade essentially turned into once you get past um being introduced to all the different shopkeepers there like the wand shop and everything uh very much just becomes a place to go and buy things for a room of requirement which is a good thing which it means it serves its purpose and there's other things you can do like going and searching the uh jokes shop and you know that that the party shop that kind of stuff that's pretty good there's the one troll that you fight there as well um there's the pub of course which is which is interesting i think it's called the three broomsticks um but no, Hogsmeade was very, very good. The only thing that annoyed me with Hogsmeade a bit, and this is just a personal preference thing, I didn't really like the music that much. Yeah, started to... I, when I was in the rhythm of um, buying things from Hogsmeade to use for my room of requirement, when I, when I was building out my room of requirement, I was going to Hogsmeade a lot, and I just didn't like the music there that much. Um, it's just a personal preference thing. I don't think that makes the game worse or better. Um, but I just didn't particularly prefer the music there. So there's that one. Um, so yeah, there we go. Uh, that, I think, is my spoiler-free section review for Hogwarts Legacy. Uh, I do have still a good amount of things to talk about in the spoilers. Um, of course, I'll talk more fully about what I, what I was referencing earlier in terms of a decision made at the end of the game, uh, talk about the ending itself, the final boss fight, all that type of stuff. Anyway, so quick, take a quick break, we'll come back and uh, talk some spoilers. So this, this is your first spoiler warning. After this break, I'm going to go straight into the spoiler section. I'll give you one more warning and then I'm going to get into it. So I'll see you in a minute. Today's sponsor is Manscaped. You can get 20% off with your order with Manscaped by using the promo code that we've got with them, which is ETALKUK, that's E-T-A-L-K, UK to get 20% off your order and free shipping with Manscaped. They sell various different men's grooming products from shavers, razors, ear and nose head trimmers, different clothes and deodorants. You don't even need to Google Manscaped themselves. You can click on the link in your show notes whether you're on a podcast player or the website uh, version of the episode and you can go and click on that link in the show notes. That's also got the promo code written in the show notes as well so you can either copy and paste the promo code ETALKUK, E-T-A-L-K-U-K. You can either copy and paste that into your show notes or type it in in the promo code box and click apply that will get you 20% off your order with manscaped and free shipping first hand quality professional with manscaped from their packaging to the items themselves even the way the items are stored in the packaging is very very first class very professional so no questions about manscaped's quality thanks very much to manscaped for sponsoring entertainment talks podcast and thank you very much for listening Hi there, if you're looking to get started with a website of your own and a domain name, we've got good news for you. With our affiliate link with Kualu, you can click on that link which is in your show notes, which is for our affiliate link. You can go over to Kualu to get started with your website and domain name today. They've also got a very handy chat support system which is usually in the bottom right hand corner to send messages back and forth to Kualu if you'd like to ask them for help to get started with your domain name and website today so that's Kualu and you can use them to get started with your website and domain name today thank you very much to Kualu for this affiliate link Hi there, if you'd like to get rid of the ads in Entertainment Talks podcasts and listen to the ad-free versions of our episodes, we've got good news for you there as well. You can subscribe to Entertainment Talk at either the $5 level tier or $10 level tier. The $5 level tier will get you access to all of Entertainment Talks previous ad-free podcasts and 
the future ad-free podcasts that we make in the month that you're subscribed for. If you also subscribe to us at the $10 level tier, that will get you that benefit that I've just mentioned, and it'll also grant you access to request a review for two episodes of a TV show and a general discussion on that show, or a film review of your choice. So if you if there's a TV show out there or a film that we've not covered perhaps and you'd like our opinion on it, we can watch two episodes of that TV show or film review. So it's one of either of those per month. Of course, if you continue subscribing each month, you can pick a TV show, then a film the next month, and so on and so forth. This is a great way to support entertainment talk, get your ad-free podcasts, and also get some reviews of your choice. Thank you very much for supporting us and thank you for listening. Back to the show. Alright, it's time for spoilers. This is your second and final spoiler warning. If you've not played and finished Hogwarts Legacy, or if you don't know what happens um, at the end or whatever, I'm going to get into spoilers for the end of the game. So if you don't want to know what happens at the end of the game, and yes, there are different choices you can make. I think it culminates into the same ending, though. Um, There's also some other bits and pieces to talk about as well uh, with a few other characters. So if you don't want to know anything about any spoilers, now is your chance to click the podcast off. Of course, we've got lots of other stuff available to be listened to on entertainmenttalk.org and your favourite podcast platforms for TV, games, films and main night podcasts. So if you want to listen to something else in the meantime, there is plenty over there that you can do so. All right. um, Two sort of bugaboos I had with the ending of the game. Aside from the actual boss fight. Okay. So you go into the mines and you're fighting Ranrock. The um, goblin leader person. So you get there. And Fig is saying to you about... Because he asks you what you would do with like the, the ultimate power thing from all the flashbacks. Through through all that story reveal. And I said that like I would... I, I would do good with it is basically what I said. And he then turns around and says, we should trust people more. And says, "I maybe I should have told the other professors about what's going on. Because throughout the game, as you're doing your little secret missions with Professor Fig, um, a few of the other teachers and other students come up to you and say, hey, what's what's up with what's going on? And he's basically saying to you, maybe I shouldn't have told you to keep it as much as a secret. Because it could have gotten help earlier and this could have been easier. So that was frustrating. Um, So what connects to that which kind of bugged me. Was you get to. uh, It's played out more in like a cutscene style thing. Is the goblins start showing up. And you're in the mines and you're fighting them. And finally. After all this story time. They finally decide to show up and help out. The, re- the reason that they couldn't, obviously, before is because Professor Fig kept whatever was going on secret and was off doing his own thing. And I recognised, like, each of the teachers as they came up, they were, like, just fleshed out enough to where I recognised them as characters, but not in any particular depth. And it was great to see them pop up. My issue is, why did the game have to get to that point for them to show up? We, we know why, it's because Fig decided not to tell anybody and then realised he made a mistake but it made this is what I was talking about earlier with the with the use of characters and, and the story that was a really great moment that was a really really great moment and another another thing the game does like uh, is like different set pieces um, 
and they're showing up and they, they a couple of them fight with you some a couple of bits in some gameplay sections but most of it is in like story stuff but they're basically holding off the goblin so that you and fig can um go through it's just so frustrating that the the story in the game was written so that they would only show up basically right at the end because aside from when you go to the classes and stuff with the teachers because you'll, you'll see Sebastian, Natsia and um, Poppy quite a few times because you've got your like side friendship uh, quest with those characters but the teachers like um, you have interesting conversations with them as well when you're with them and you do the classes but they're so just quick and then it's like, oh, go and collect 20 of this thing and then bring it back to the teacher. And then and then that's it. And then they all come back. So, so I'm glad they came back at the end. I just would have liked to have seen the, the teachers and professors be included in the story a bit more. Because they were kind of interesting to me. They're just not really there. But another reason they're not really there is because of the exploration in this game that you're encouraged to do. Which again is good, but it kind of gets in the way of other characters showing up. Because um, like when you've got the three friendship requests... Uh, parts that at least fleshes those characters out a bit more and you see a few other characters as well um but the professors were just like hardly in this game at all and they, they showed up at the end and it's like oh yeah remember these people are actually quite relatively powerful and they know what they're doing and stuff um and that was great i just wanted that to happen more often you know but i suppose it was fig's fault but it, it it's the it's fig's fault but it's right the writer's fault that fig decided to do that uh, which is basically to not tell anybody about what was going on. So there was that as well. Um, another in interesting, this is a very, very small detail, but something I found very interesting. If you notice when, I can't remember which of the professors it was, she uses the pull spell, I think it's Lohamora. And she's swinging around like three goblins with one spell. And I was like, it was just a little thing. I was like, why can't I do that? <laughs> I can pull them towards me and push them away from me, but I can't pick up three of them in one go. Um, not like that, anyway. Like, swinging them around and stuff. Um, unless, of course, you've got the ancient magic, which thumps them around. But, yeah, there's that was just like a small little bugaboo that I, I sort of had. Um, but anyway, it's good to see them come up at the end, but uh, a little bit too little too late, I thought, with that. Um, Alright, we're going to get into some death character spoilers here. Why did Professor Fig have to die? I was really looking for and trying to find... It doesn't benefit the story. It doesn't really benefit anything. I can't even remember how we got attacked. I think it was through something quite... I thought I, was, I just thought that was quite silly, the way that he died. And he's giving you this like speech about, oh, you've got the power and all this sort of stuff. It didn't land for me at all. Um, and as I've said about big character deaths, which, I, yeah, he's one of the main characters. He's one of the important characters. If you want to make me care about a character's death, you've got to put the effort in. And, I don't know, it didn't stick the landing with that. It didn't stick the landing. Um, I, don't, I also don't know... Because it, it wasn't as if... Fig died, then you fight Ragnarok. As in, oh, Ragnarok's killed him, now you've got to fight him. That was after the fight was done. <laughs> or at least after you play that that, that part of it. Um, 
and then he just gets sort of hit, and then like there, there was no reason for that to happen. And then you get this um, speech from one of the professors at the end, which is like really awkward and weird. And like the, the camera cuts to your character and a few other characters a few times, and you're like supposed to feel something. But all I was thinking the whole time was just, why, why did he have to die? Like, what benefit did it have? He's just dead because he's just dead because you just, I don't know, you felt like killing somebody off. Um, yeah, I didn't. Uh, I don't know. It sort of felt like one of them end game things where you've got a small selection of characters and the writers think, "Oh, you know what? We we've got to, just because because we've we we've got to have somebody die in this part, right? Cuz it's big and dramatic and it's our end set piece. We've got to have somebody die. Who's the least consequential?" Um or something like that. And they just chose Fig. Like it didn't it didn't benefit anything really. Nobody actually needed to die in that fight. Um, especially since you as the player had beaten Ragnarok in your own gameplay section. And then he died after it. That was, uh, yeah, that, that didn't land for me at all. That didn't work for me. Um, the ending and the boss battle. I feel like I'm trying to remember the last boss battle fight that I enjoyed. Because Callisto Protocol was just horrible and broken i've spoken about that a few times um just a quick a very i know i've spoken about it a few times just a quick little bit of context and background for that the callisto protocol which is from the same team that made the old dead space games uh, they made callisto protocol which is like a spiritual successor same sort of survival horror thing the end boss fight i'm not going to spoil it i'm just going to explain i'm just going to kind of explain the, the the glitch that's there essentially in that boss fight in callisto protocol if you run out of things to use, because you can like throw things, you can shoot explosives, and of course you can run out of ammo. If you run out of things to use, and there's no ammo left in the area, you have to restart the boss fight, because otherwise you can't beat the boss. So, that's that's, that's, that's the shortened version of explaining that, but that one was like very, very broken, um, and you have to get kind of lucky. The last boss fight I remember enjoying or thinking, not enjoying, but like thinking this is this is cool and interesting and it's got some good stuff with it. And I won't spoil the context of whatever is the end end boss fight because there's technically there's technically two or three, but the end end boss fight of The Last of Us 2. Um that had like emotion and weight and meaning and and just just so much in there. Um whether or not you agree or disagree with the choices that the characters make up until then, which I understood the choices, um, that was the last boss fight that I that I did that was not only not broken but actually worked and was interesting and had something had some weight behind it, had some meaning and some and some genuine real stakes. I'm trying to remember other boss fights I've done. Look, I haven't quite finished Forspoken, but the boss fights in that are quite good actually. I've I've quite enjoyed those. Trying to think of other games because Last of Us was twenty twenty. Now it's twenty twenty three. Um, you have games that end differently that don't really have boss fights per se. Uh, but those are the three most recent ones I can remember. Which is, uh, I mean, there's Ghost of Tsushima after Last of Us two. I don't think that that fight was was as good. Last of Us two is the last good one I I remember playing. And before that, I would say Red Dead two. Um. The bo- some of the boss fights on like the God of War games, the 2018 and and Ragnarok, Ragnarok, sorry, um, were good. I thought pretty good. Um, but yeah, 
the from recent memory last of us 2 stands up there as as probably the best one um see last for example like last of us part 1 doesn't really have a boss fight per se but it has an end section that you do so the the not not every single game has a traditional sort of boss fight but uh the boss fight itself i very 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 much did not enjoy um I don't know if I was playing it wrong, which is a possibility, but I don't think it was. I don't think I was. Um, I don't really like, and Cluster Protocol does this as well, and it, it doesn't really work. It's, it's a thing I don't really like in games. Where you have a character in their normal form. Who is already shown to be powerful. So like earlier, when you fight... Um, you go into the mines for something, don't you, in Hogwarts Legacy? And, uh, oh, what's his name? The the guy that Ragnarok was in cahoots with. Not Harlow. Um, Harlow was the one that you fight with, Natsia. Uh, not Lockwood, not Harlow, not Ranrock. Uh, I can't remember, I can't remember his name. The, the guy that was he just was a normal guy and he had he had he had his wand i can't remember his name for some reason um yeah you, you fight him obviously at a certain point in the game um and it's shown in two cutscenes about okay run rocks kind of the big big bad um and he's he's like very very powerful and like he's really good with his wand and all that kind of stuff and i bought it i thought okay yeah, I, I buy that he's very, very strong. He, like, kills a couple of people in the story. Kills, what was it, his brother or something that, that tries to help you. Um, I thought, oh, I, I'm kind of, like, curious to fight that character. But no. But no. He has to feel the need to use the ancient magic shrine thing, whatever it was. And no, oh no I, I'm not only going to power myself up. I'm going to completely change form into this, like, dragon thing. I don't really like that in in stories. Um, you as a boss should be individually powerful enough to be able to be intimidating enough to fight me as as a character. Not sort of oh, I've been in this form the entire game, but now that you're fighting me, the 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 playable character, I'm gonna not only because I, I wouldn't have minded if he'd like I don't know absorbed that power or something. And then he was still in his same form and you just had a classic one fight with him. Like with the fight before, even though that's got other dark wizards in the fight as well. I thought that would have been better. But the whole, like, he changes into a dragon or phoenix or whatever it is. And he's flying around and he's shooting lava. I just thought, nah, it just doesn't... Um, and it, you could put it down to a personal preference thing. I just don't like boss, which is one of the reasons I don't really get on with Resident Evil. Because you'll shoot a normal looking zombie and then they'll have like a spiral come out their head or something. <laughs> it's just... Um, like if a character has established different forms. Like the Hulk for example is is a quick example I can think of. You've got Bruce Banner who then transforms into the Hulk. If it's already established in the story that this person has an alternate more powerful form. Um, a slight difference would be like let's say Thanos with or without his Infinity Gauntlet. Right? Like, okay, he puts the gauntlet on, he's got the stones, he's more powerful. He doesn't transform into something else. He him, he himself thinks he's strong enough. He just has the extra little power-up thing 
that gives him extra abilities, but he's still him. He's just a more powered up version of himself. Um, I, I just think it's silly in stories when, when villains need to do that. Like, shouldn't you be good enough and intimidating enough and powerful enough already to, without needing to change form? Uh, Callisto Protocol does it as well. Resident Evil does it as well. It's um, it's just something I don't really like. So, um, but yeah, going from a goblin to a phoenix was just like, okay, what are we, what are we doing here? And then he's shooting, he's breathing lava at me, and I'm going through this this level. Um, yeah, I, I didn't enjoy the, the final boss fight. I don't know, maybe, maybe it's become a thing in games in the last couple of years that like boss fights aren't as good as they as they used to be. So, because um, there's lots of boss fights in, let's say, Metal Gear Solid 1. You think of, is it Psycho Mantis, I think? Brilliant boss fight. He uses powers in that fight, doesn't feel the need to like transform into something else. There's a few other really, really good boss fights, like the, the ninja guy in, in Metal Gear Solid 1. Okay, he's got a sword, he can teleport, he's got different abilities... He's still him, though. Um, yeah, it just that, that didn't work, and I don't know that the whole thing was 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 pretty messy. I, I kind of I think I put it back down to story or something at that point, just just to kind of go through it and just and just finish that bit off. I I didn't enjoy that at all, so it didn't detract too much from my overall enjoyment of the game. Um, I didn't ruin the game for me, but it started. I don't know. It it just wasn't very good, I don't think. So But was it me? Was it a me issue? Was I not great at, at fighting him? I don't know. Um So yeah, that's that one. Uh so that's kind of the ending, the boss battle, Professor Fig, everything else. Um I did see the other um did I see Sebastian afterwards? I think I did, yeah. Saw Sebastian, saw Nat Natsia after and Poppy and finished off their friendship stories as well. So those had good endings to them. Apart from Sebastian's, that's the other thing I need to talk about. Um, so the path, excuse me, the path I took with Sebastian was helping him relentlessly until the end, which lent, led to the death. Was it his uncle, I think? Because um, his sister had been cursed or something, and he wanted to help her. And I thought, okay, I'm on board with you. I just thought the whole time that okay, because the because it's to do with dark magic, right? And the uncle is fairly, you know, concerned. But I mean, the mistake that Sebastian makes is using is Avocadaver or something that the killing curse on his uncle takes it a step too far, and his sister, of course, is you know really pissed off with him as she decides to leave. But I just thought. I don't know. I thought, okay, I as a player think we could, we could maybe control dark magic um, and see where it goes, but insist on, yeah, we need to do everything we can to help Anne, his uh, sister. The other mistake that Sebastian makes leading up to that, though, is gaining control of the um, skeleton zombie things, whatever they were called. Like, oh, look Look how cool this is. I could, I, I, we not only need to use this dark magic, we can control it. His, the, the control sort of gets to him. And that's where his uncle sort of starts, you know, fighting back. And ultimately he died. So that, that was how my story ended with that. Uh, story with Poppy with the eggs, it ended well. Um, the the Manators, was it? Uh, they helped out in the end. That went as well as it could. Um... In terms of uh, Natsia, um, we killed Harlow, and her mum was okay with was okay with it in the end. She ends up in a chair because she um, 
what was her name harlow went to kill my character she sort of dived in the way heroically i was worried that she was going to be killed because i quite like natsia i think she was a great character um especially her whole, her whole her whole backstory with her father and everything was was quite good uh short and you know small but still quite good um so she dived in the way of that and then um what's it called uh yeah, she ended up like in a wheelchair or something, but I don't. The, the game doesn't establish like she's um, permanently in a wheelchair or anything. I I don't remember that sort of popping up, but uh, that was that was what happened in my version of that. Um, so they all ended relatively well, apart from maybe Sebastian's. But I don't know what the other alternatives are for that. I think those are the only three stories that you can influence because you actually make dialogue choices with those. So I don't know if there's any other like different endings with that or. Or anything, but I think the main story goes exactly the same way, no matter what. I think so, anyway. So, so yeah, that's it. That's my uh, review for Hogwarts Legacy. That's the spoiler stuff. I did type down as well where to go next. Obviously, you could do a sequel of some kind, which wouldn't involve Professor Fig, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I I, t- I don't feel need to get into the uh, where where to go next. That's maybe a different topic for a different time, and it depends if they actually do do a sequel or not or do any kind of quidditch we'll have to just um wait and see but uh, anyway that's my review for Hogwarts Legacy what did you think do you agree disagree with some of my points a lot of different talking points a lot of different discussion points maybe you thought some things were better than I thought or worse than I thought that they were maybe you thought this game was terrible or better than what I thought it was uh, let me know your thoughts feelings questions comments whatever you've got methodentertainmenttalk.org twitter etalkuk and there's also information in your show notes as well in the meantime, you can find everything else that we do on entertainmenttalk.org, TV, games, films, main eye podcast. Take a look out for what we do over there, podcast platforms, entertainment talk. You can also tell other people about what we do and where they can find it, either by just telling them or using social media. Um, Patreon, $5, $10 level tiers, ad-free podcast review options. Look out for that as well if you'd like to. Uh, TV and film news over on Geek Town Radio, geektown.co.uk for TV and film news at Geek Town Radio on Tuesday, so tomorrow. Uh, look out for that for film, TV news, and all that good stuff. Bex over on Twitch, Trista Bytes for retro chat game and other streams. So see what she's doing over there. Me on Twitch occasionally and randomly. Um, Etalk UK over on Twitch and YouTube Entertainment Talk plays for different game clips and stream archives and all that sort of thing. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>